Very delighted to be joined by Georgia. Now, Georgia is from moneymatters.uk. You can check her out on Instagram. Georgia is, is basically a financial planner by day, but your Instagram has been over the past kind of, would I say about 18 months, two years, Georgia, is that fair to say? Yeah, I think it was April 2021 was when I first started. In terms of you populating your Instagram and giving financial help, and that's what this conversation is about today, just kind of skimming over the good, the bad, the ugly of finances. If you're listening to this now and you think, you know what, I've got a load of money to invest or equally, oh my God, I need to seek some kind of help. This conversation hopefully will help from any of those scales, big and small. But because of COVID and with all what went on, Georgie, was that why you kind of thought, do you know what? I've got a lot of knowledge here. I want to share that and simplify it. I think that's the key thing to say. We're simplifying yeah, the message here. is the most important part of it. Well, actually, it wasn't really COVID that made me start it, if I'm being completely honest. Maybe I'll give you a bit of a background to me, what I do, and then how it kind of all unfolded. I started out at Loughborough Uni, did economics and finance, which is obviously relates to financial planning. I went to a careers fair. I, I I remember there was this company that was there and I was speaking to someone and they were basically, I was like, okay, well, what, 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 do, you, what do you do? And they were like, oh, I just go to people's houses and be really nosy about their finances, essentially. I was like, now that sounds like a bit of me. <laughs> then I was like, okay, well, what actually is that? She was like, oh, financial planning. I was like, great. And ever since then, it stuck with me. I was like, right, that is what I'm doing. I want to know about everyone's finances. I find it really interesting. I have a WhatsApp group with all of my friends. Uh, There's about 16 of us on there. They just always ask questions and I would always answer like different bank accounts, what what kind of investments you should be doing. And I was like, I kept repeating myself to the same questions because obviously, you know, as time goes, it just gets lost within, within the chat. So I was like, okay, well, why don't I find a place where I can put this just in one place where they can look back and say, right, I asked Georgia this question ages ago, what was the answer? So being completely transparent, I was a little bit embarrassed about it. I was yeah. a bit nervous, I was like, I don't want my face involved with it. So I created, obviously, moneymatters.uk. Took me, I kid you not, three months to come up with that name. So I finally <laughs> put the bullet, went ahead, created Instagram, made it private initially, and it was just my friends. I was like, okay, they're like, this is amazing, you should share it, you should share it. So I hit the unprivate button, which I'm very nervous about, but kept my face completely out of it. Did that for about six months, and then I was like, okay, right, actually, I'm gonna bite the bullet, I'm gonna put my face on it. I think I was most nervous about people at work. So when people at work found out, I was like, oh, are they gonna like judge me? Or what am I, am I, am I saying something wrong? Whatever it might be. Gained loads of followers putting my face to it, it was crazy. And then, yeah, that's basically where it started. Initially then, Georgie, obviously having that kind of confidence to grow it with your friends and having that support within a WhatsApp group and then for the Instagram page to kind of take a life of its own. Did you just find yourself being almost like an aspirin for anyone who had a money headache is that sort yeah. of the best way to describe it and then going do you know um, what rather than give a pill individually I can just chuck this right out there on the shelf because I guess that's the thing you know somebody could be in debt by 500 pounds or yeah. in effect 5,000 pounds or a hell of a lot more or a hell of a lot less but if you can't afford to pay any of that if the rules are there I guess the figure doesn't make a massive difference. Is that kind of true to say the, the anxiety level could be the same no matter yeah. what, but actually exactly. the figure is just the figure? I think it's just kind of having a safe place that you know you can go to, you can ask questions. I obviously, with Instagram, I do not give advice, just caveating. It's purely educational <laughs> purposes only. 
it's just overcomplicated and the whole internet is just an absolute minefield so just having somewhere that you can go you can know that the obviously the education is accurate <laughs> because yeah. I am a financial planner by trade and just having somewhere that especially with debt I think you know it, it does roll up and it can be really anxious and a really nervous time and that's totally fine but as as you said the anxiety between 500 pounds and 5,000 pounds is pretty much the same the different debt repayment strategies that you can go down the same for 500 or 5,000 it is a huge anxiety and it is causing you stress in your day-to-day it is super important that you you reach out to someone even if it's your friend your partner whoever it might be talk about it I feel like finances it's very nervous it feels very private but the more you talk about it the better it will become and you know if there's really no one at home that you can speak to there are some amazing charities that you can go to but definitely worth just speaking about it because there are people that can help you you know, say someone's listening to this now and they've racked up a little bit of credit card debt. It might be because they've mm-hmm. gone on holiday and they've obviously blitzed a little bit of money. Say there's a thousand pound on that card and they are struggling even just to pay the minimum payments. Maybe they've missed a payment. Maybe they've got a letter to say you've missed a few payments and that's going to impact your credit score. That's the thing of taking away not so much the fact that it is nervous to maybe talk about it if they want to handle it themselves, if they think I'm confident enough to try and sort it. I think the key thing is, am I right in saying that it actually, when you speak to your bank or your credit card supplier, they aren't as scary as they maybe make out? Is it just kind of in a lot of people's heads before they pick up the phone? You can write a letter. You can write a letter to them. You can go old school and just write a letter. They will write back to you. Am I right in saying yeah, you know, people are so understanding that it happens to everyone, if, especially if you can call someone, there's someone at the end of the phone. They've probably been in that situation as well, being completely honest. I just think the most important thing here is not to bury your head in the sand, because if you do, it seems like the easiest thing to do, being completely honest, but it will only make things worse. If you don't want to talk to someone and you do want to fix it yourself, then okay, well, accept that you know you have debt and that's absolutely fine. Everyone has an element of debt anyway. It's then okay. Well, how do I make these extra repayments? Well, you know, the, the first step here is it's so important to budget. Have a look at your outgoings. Where's the money going? What can you cut back on? The one thing that I find most people find is if you look in your bank at the direct debits, the amount of direct debits that you have that you won't use will be ridiculous. <laughs> Whether it be you know. Netflix, Disney, you have everything. Do you need everything? What can you cut back on? And if you look through everything and you really say, I I physically can't cut back, then okay, well, what can we do to try and increase your income? Is that asking for a pay rise? Is that doing a side hustle, selling some clothes, selling some items, offering a, a service on Fiverr, whether it be proofreading, answering surveys there's lots of different ways that you can make some money whilst watching tv essentially and then can you use that money to put towards debt or can you use that if you don't have any debt can you put that money to towards your savings whatever it might be the, the crux of it is don't just bury your head in the sand and just on sort of the pay rise issue because this is something where i have never in all my days from working in an industry for 21 years and having a handful of bosses and to be fair Nine out of ten with them were very nice, and I can probably count on one hand how many sort of big bosses I've ever had. The pay rise always came to me. I never actually 
said anything yeah. when i did say something always um, ask for a pay rise but it was only because kind of i had another opportunity and i was like that's how much they're offering if you can match it it was yes no problem johnny that's fine is it easy to ask for a pay rise if i take you as an example judge i know you kind of self-employed at the minute but when you were working for someone did you knock on the door just before the financial year kicked in and said do you know what everything's gone up can i have an extra grand is that how you do it or do you, do you take your boss out and just get him a little bit drunk and then say by the way at the bar you promised me an extra five grand a year how does it work well for me it is slightly different because obviously i'm self-employed so the only person i can ask myself for pay rise is myself um and going yes. self- yeah i can always say yes <laughs> i just gotta work a little harder um so for me there was a, a set structure going self-employed it was part of my journey there was a pre-agreed salary it wasn't as easy as you know a, a promotion or anything like that but when i speak to all of my clients the thing that I say is I always live by the kind of five step for asking for a pay rise essentially first thing is you know talking about your value so actually add numbers here what have you added to the team have you brought in a certain amount of revenue you know if your revenue is more than you know what you're costing can you increase that slightly the second one market research that is so unbelievably important don't believe everything you read on Glassdoor ask on LinkedIn a few other people why it's really important to kind of be open and transparent with your your salary with your friends because you know it might help them when they're asking for a pay rise so always do your market research I would always say give a number and not a range let's just say for example your salary's 30k Instead of being like, okay, I'll accept anything from 32 to 35, what's your employer going to do? They're going to offer you 32 because you said you'd accept that. They're not going to go ahead and give you the 35. So never offer a range, always offer a number. And I always say with a number, offer slightly more than you want. If you wanted a pay rise to 35, say, look, 37. Yeah. they'll come back and say 35. You're like, great, that's what I wanted. So always (laughs) a number and never a range. That's my, you know, number one tip. Fourth one is time appropriately. So out for a beer is probably not the best time. Um, You know, that's (laughs) not when you want to be talking work and not when you want to be talking finances. Don't approach your boss, you know, when they're super stressed and busy because what are they going to say? No. What I always say is try and book in some time, a performance review with your manager, whatever it might be. And that's when you ask for the pay rise with all of your research that I've done, your values, what you want, etc. Sometimes they'll say no. And it's accepting that and saying, okay, well, why? Why are you saying no? And if they're like, okay, well, you haven't done X, Y, and Z. Say, okay, well, if I do X, Y, and Z in six months time, will you give me the pay rise? They'll say, okay, we'll consider it then book that six months in their diary straight away as another review what can they say if they say no again you're like well I've done x y and z like you told me to so so what do you expect and then you know if it's still a no and you think you're being underpaid then perhaps it is worth looking elsewhere and I think it's also just really important to be humble and polite about it but also confident don't go in being really cocky because that's not going to get you anywhere and any good boss, especially if they've been, you know, your boss for six months, a year, they will know what makes you tick. They will know what makes you annoyed. They will know what football club you support. They will know what's going on, you know, <laughs> from a private point of view. So all of those things, they will know what makes you tick. And also as well, if you do love your job, and I was very guilty of this, it shouldn't necessarily be a reason why you shouldn't ask for a little bit more. Because if you're performing or you are working extra hours above and beyond what you do and it doesn't balance out, then it is probably, you know, you're in the right place to say, do you know what? I can take all these skills, 
somewhere yeah. else. But again, not being cocky, just reminding them of how lucky they are to have you. If you leave, it's going to cost them money to replace you anyway. <laughs> you know, recruiters yeah. aren't cheap. So, you know, it's in their best interest to retain employees. Oh, the other one that I would give as a little bonus is role player. Practice it with your friends. I had it with one of my best friends just before Christmas. She had her performance review. I was like, right, you're going in and you're asking for a pay rise. I'm not accepting you not to do that. And she was really nervous, which is absolutely normal. But we just practiced it. We practiced a few different scenarios. So whatever happened, she was prepared. That's also a way to kind of build your confidence before you have that conversation. Because talking about finances and money is nerve-wracking. It's totally normal to be nervous for that meeting. That's fine. Um, But yeah, the more you role-play it and the more you practice it, the easier it will become. Was it a success story or do you not want to say, did she come out? It it was a success story, yeah. Yes, okay. But it wasn't what she wanted, sadly. But she did offer a higher number and they they still came lower, but at least it it was something and she was like, I wouldn't have even asked if you hadn't have told me to. So it's more money than she would have got if she hadn't said anything. Well, say like your mate who's got a pay rise, say you've got that extra little bit of money and you go, do you know what? It's not really going to affect my outgoings that much. I'm looking at saving. A, uh, it's never too late to start saving. On your Instagram, you have the 50, 30, 20 rule, which is a great place. There's also stuff on your Instagram, which is fascinating for the fact that it's something you'd never really think about in terms of say, you've got this little bit of saving and you might be looking to invest it in an ISA, uh, maybe stocks and shares for the sake of argument. There's an amazing thing of if you'd put X amount of money into Apple when the first generation iPad was doing the rounds kind of in the late 90s, early noughties kind of time to what it would be worth then to now is outrageous. Now, I know obviously that is over the best part of 20 odd years. So, of course, you know, that's one of the best companies you could have invested in 20 years ago. (laughs) But even then, it was like everyone knew about Apple. Um, What would you kind of advise if you've got that little bit of savings and say there's three thousand pounds you've saved up would you say just leave it in a current account or would you be looking to move that around and get the best deal i imagine there's a hell of a lot of things out there which you can make money on whatever is in there yeah so i'm gonna break down this question because there's a lot of moving parts i think (laughs) start with the the surplus income before you even consider investing it is really important that you have an emergency fund so that's for you know if you got fired tomorrow you know that you could cover your rent or your mortgage repayments you know you could cover your food all essential expenditure and that's not your lunch out at costa it's pure essentials so food bills rent i always say to all of my clients at least three months in cash for emergencies that should be held in a high interest savings account so you know the likes of of marcus i think you can do chase bank they're offering over three percent or premium bonds just having that completely separate to your bank account because i know some people if they see it they're like oh just gonna dip into that and dip out of that <laughs> it's purely for emergencies so that's your number one so any surplus income be putting into your emergency fund until you've got at least three months essential expenditure as soon as that's done the only other things you need in cash is kind of any big expenditure coming up in the next one to three years so are you buying a house in a year's time if that is the case then you don't want to be investing because you don't know what the market's going to do over a year it's volatile over the year but if you leave it you know for five to ten years you know the likelihood is it's going to go up so it's just always important any big expenditure also keeping cash at that point when you know you've got your emergency fund any expenditure 
that's when you look at start investing. Um, that's when we say, okay, well, this money is for future me, maybe five years time, 10 years time, whatever it might be. We need to get that working slightly harder for you. We do not leave that in cash because it's going to be eroded by inflation. So it's just worth noting that. So it's a, okay, well, I want to start investing. Where do I even begin? <laughs> I always <laughs> say to everyone, if possible, use a stocks and shares ISA. What that essentially is in high level terms is it's just a wrapper around your investment. So it's just a bubble essentially that goes around any investments that you have. That means that any growth or dividends, so any growth, so if, if a stock's worth one pound, it's now two pounds, that's the growth that you've had. Any dividends is basically essentially when a company pays you money for you um, loaning it to them or giving it them. What it essentially means is that is all completely tax free. So any investing you're doing, it needs to be in a stocks and shares ISA first or an ISA. You can put up to £20,000 per annum into an ISA. So to begin with, that shouldn't be an issue. Just put as much as you can of that surplus income. Then it comes to, okay, well, where do I even begin investing? Because there's a whole universe of, you can invest into thousands and thousands and thousands of different companies. It's like, oh my God, it's so overwhelming. Um, and that's totally, totally normal. What I would say is I never re really recommend single stock. Don't pick one single company like Apple because you're putting all your eggs in one basket. We need to look at diversifying. So what I always say is it's funds essentially. And what that means is you buy one fund and them on your behalf buy multiple other companies for you. So it just spreads the risk. But if that's also you know really overwhelming, there's lots of different funds that you can choose from that's fine as well, then I'd say the route for you is probably a do it for me platform. So things like Nutmeg, Wealthify, Moneybox, they're all really great for beginners because what you can essentially do is you can say, right, I want to invest in stocks and shares ISA, don't know what to invest in, choose for me. And you essentially just give them your risk rating. So you say a medium risk investor, they'll then choose the investments for you, which is great. I recommend it to all of my friends because at the end of the day, they're not interested in the stock market. They're not going to be monitoring it. They don't want to pick the individual funds, and that's totally fine. So the easiest way to get started is through one of those platforms. Just on that note then, George, say, uh, you know, you give a little bit of money and one of those particular investment, will they keep you updated? Do they go, this is where we've put it? Do you want to keep it there? Do you not want to, you know, are you kind of in the loop with, with that as much or you're, as little as you want to be? You're in the loop, but you don't get to say, oh yeah, I want this, I don't want that, add this fund, take away that fund. That's not how they structure it. They basically, what they essentially do is you say your risk, they give you that portfolio, there's no change from that, unless you want to be higher risk or right. lower risk risk so what i always say to to people just starting out is okay we'll put your money aside in that if you want to play around and do a few individual stocks that's absolutely fine but have some money aside for that whether it's a hundred pounds whatever it might be that you can play around with that you're happy to lose so use that yeah. as your fun pot but invest kind of your steady growth that you want to know is managed correctly into something like money box unless you know you want to you want to do it yourself and you're confident about that then that's absolutely fine too the big question here, and obviously I can't have you on without saying the word cryptocurrency to you. Yeah, um, and, <laughs> knew you were going to um, say I that. Don't, I know, I know. I feel bad because I kind of think mm, the bubble seems like it's burst. You never quite know because all of a sudden it could be inflated again by the time this interview is edited and has gone out. Yeah. You never know, Bitcoin <laughs> might be higher than it ever has been, ever. Was that just kind of a luck pushing that, would you think? 
that's kind of done now? Do you think that particularly if there's more regulation coming, you know, as time goes by, do you kind of think really just had to get a time machine if you wanted to make that kind of money yeah. again and go back in time and invest it at the right moment? So for me and all my clients, crypto is an absolute no. The reason being is because it's unregulated. So someone could literally take your money out of your account and you've got nothing to fall back on. It is so unbelievably volatile. Um, So what I always say to to clients is, okay, well, if you want to invest in Bitcoin, that's absolutely fine, but it's gambling at the end of the day. When you look at a normal company and you look and you want to invest into it, you can look into their balance sheets, you can look at what they're planning, their forecast, crypto, you have no idea. Um, So it really is kind of a punt. So I say anyone that wants to invest in crypto, invest what you're happy to lose. Don't put your life savings in there. That is the worst thing that you could possibly do. Just put a couple hundred pounds. It could turn into a lot more great. If it doesn't, it's not the end of the world. It's not going to impact your financial plan. So it's more of a, a fun money gambling pot than a good investment strategy going forwards. And, you know, I'll have some people that come at me and say you can make so much money in crypto whatever it might be and that's fine that's your bag but if you want to take that risk be my guest but be happy to lose it (laughs) yeah it was interesting last year we were talking about nfts and as a bit of a laugh i ended up designing my own nft we put it actually out there Uh, we were tagging in elon musk desperately to try and buy it he didn't bite sadly Um, but it was amazing just to kind of look into that world for the sake of a couple of weeks and just see what people were creating And, and that world was very much like wow this is insane to see hey you know there's some amazing artwork out there mine was absolutely crap Um, but sometimes you kind of think maybe in a way someone might think this is absolutely genius you know one man's trash is another man's treasure kind of thing it was amazing to see that people were selling these nfts for a lot of money you know some of them were three times the value of an average house in the uk and you're like this is insane um but to sum it up a case ago and it is just like putting a tenner on a horse at 14 to 1 it might come in or it might win or it it might might fall at the first hurdle just a couple more things to very quickly touch on here Georgia student finance it isn't just free money it obviously depends if you listen to this in Scotland in effect it's free university England and Wales has a different outlook in terms of student finance is it kind of maybe one of the better loans to have and it shouldn't really be something that you lose sleep over because ultimately it's going to help you out further down the line to get the job of your dreams a lot of people sometimes i think more so now than ever before would not go to uni because of the fear of debt i kind of think that's probably maybe a little bit extreme but i don't know your thoughts what do you think i agree and i think university is expensive at the end of the day it's not free um, so it is definitely worth considering, you know, is this definitely what I want to do? Because at the end of the day, you are going to pay back some or all of that loan. So there are some great apprenticeships out there as well. So it's just making sure you don't just go to uni for the sake of it. You do genuinely want to go. With the university, it is a difficult one. I don't necessarily see it as debt. It, it doesn't count towards your credit score. It doesn't count towards like borrowing from mortgage. What I see it as is an additional tax rate. So an extra 9% on top of your income and you just kind of got to forget about it. I have people come to me and say, should I pay it off? Should I not pay it off? And you know, this is, you know, for a whole other podcast (laughs) uh, without opening that can of worms. (laughs) But it completely depends what your forecasted salary is going to be. And, you know, I work out for some of my clients and yes, it does make sense to pay it off early. But I'd say that is the last thing 
So if you've bought a house, buying a house, if that's something that you want to do, should become before you even consider paying back your student loan. And your student loan is purely when you've got nothing else to kind of pay back, if that makes sense. That's the route that I go down. I mean, I think being completely open and transparent, I've got around about 50K worth of student debt, but that doesn't worry me. I don't see that as a, oh my God, I'm 50K in debt. I just know over time that will be paid off and it's not like credit card debt very 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 different you absolutely should not lose sleep over it because for whatever reason if you were fired or you didn't have a job you don't have to pay it back it stops with your earnings so that's kind of a nice sort of comfort blanket I I do get it it is painful when you get your pay slip if you're employed and you see that big chunk going out every month but it's just something that you kind of have to accept but absolutely please don't lose sleep over it I'd say one of my biggest regrets with um, student finances I obviously did a placement year which was really great, had a great time. I got paid on my placement year like the majority of people do. I still took my student finance for that year just to give myself a bit of extra income so I could go on some nice holidays. I look back... Now, now the most doing expensive what I holiday do. or night out ever. I know, like with the interest rate, that is the most expensive holiday. What was I thinking? But part of me is like, okay, we're never going to get that time back. It is that balance. But if you are on placement, don't be stupid like me and also take the student loan. Yeah. <laughs> How much is this really worth? Um, you just touched on it there in terms of a credit score, and it's probably almost quite a nice way to sort of wrap this up. If no one has ever checked their credit score, you can do it through your banking app. A lot of banking apps kind of give you the nudge to say if you want to do it you can do obviously there are different credit reference agencies out there if you haven't checked your credit score would you say it is essential to do particularly if you're looking for that big purchase of getting on the property ladder or looking to get a brand new car or just kind of a lot of them say do you know what this credit card might actually be better for you but over time you're going to be paying less back so if you haven't checked your credit score would you say whiz on to one of them freebies and check it sooner rather than later. Absolutely. It's so unbelievably important. And, you know, if you are looking to you know, buy a new car, you know, a house, whatever it might be, they're looking at, are you reliable? Are you going to pay back bills? Things that count are, are direct debits on there. You know, are you paying them on time? Do you regularly pay them? Best possible way that I've come across of increasing your credit score is registering to vote. It's the easiest one to do. It takes you five minutes. Um, and that instantly boosts your credit score. So that's an easy no-brainer. Credit cards, love-hate relationship, depends. Are you going to pay it off every month? If you do, then it's great for your credit score. If you don't, then it's really bad for your credit score. If you do have a credit card, don't ever withdraw cash from a cash point. That reflects badly on your credit score because they're like, okay, you're not very good at money management, are you, if you're having to withdraw money from your credit card? Um, with a credit card, another thing you can do is low util- like credit utilisation. If you have a 5k limit on your credit card, never spend that 5k, maximum 2-3k on there. But pay it off every single month in full. Please don't leave them. Credit card um, interest rates do rack up. It's a very, very easy way to fall into debt. So I always say to people, only get one if you know you're going to be responsible with it and you don't just see it as kind of free money. Oh, future me will pay that off. Um, make sure you do pay off every month. If you are in a little bit of trouble, if you reach out to your supplier in terms of whatever credit card you're with, they can actually go, do you know what? We can give you a bit of a payment holiday. Uh, It was doing the rounds frequently during COVID. Mortgage holidays, it wasn't reflecting bads. You could say, do you know what? I need that payment holiday. They are out there and it just might just give you that three to six months if you've just lost your job suddenly 
all this being a bit of a change of circumstance from a personal you know point of view it could be a health point of view any of those things it is worth saying you can reach out to them because they have an obligation really don't they to actually give the best to you yeah. and not say there's a bailiff on the door do you know what I mean it's got to go um, really bad for that to kind of happen yeah that just all comes back to talk to people about it you know there, there's charities talk to the providers whoever it might be the more you kind of bury your head in the sand the more anxiety you're going to get the more stress you'll get and the worse essentially it will become so just kind of break that barrier i know it's nerve-wracking speak to someone and you know they will help you sort it out before you go georgia and i can't have someone who's talked so brilliantly about money for the best part of half an hour with all the advice what was the worst purchase or your biggest waste of money ever what would you say it's probably going back to my worst purchase was taking that student loan it's my biggest regret um (laughs) but as in on placement year when I could have not the other thing I would say is a new car never buy a new car (laughs) buy it secondhand because you're instantly losing money the moment you drive it out that car park yeah they would be my main things fast fashion as well you're only going to wear it once or twice and then it's going to go in the bin bad for the environment and also bad for your pocket (laughs) unless that becomes your side hustle but you know even though i i do speak about finances as a living i do still make mistakes as well and i'm still learning (laughs) so (laughs) well the advice has been fantastic georgia i i wish you all the best Uh, your instagram page if you want to make sense of money it's jargon free money chat and you can have a little look on instagram just search moneymatters.uk moneymatters.uk georgia next time i want to buy a house i'll be straight on the phone to you (laughs) yeah (laughs) Thank you so much for speaking to us. Thank you for having me.